Welcome to another sparkling edition of the Thought Police with me, Mike Graham, and him, Kevin O'Sullivan. Kevin, welcome back. Um, Thank you, Mike. I bet you'd be feeling really, really pleased to be out of the heat, I would imagine. I'm so, out of the uh, heat. Uh, you're sitting in a nice, cool studio. Yeah, and I'm re relatively un unhung over. Are you? Uh, after a fairly <laughs> quiet weekend, starting at your party on Friday night, when of course I was on air until ten o'clock. Right. So I walked into your party. Yeah. Uh, We've been there for four hours. Very strange experience for me. You'd all been there four hours. To put it, to use the technical term, you're all pissed out of your heads. We were. And I walked in stone cold sober. It's a strange experience. Well, do you know what I forgot was was the cardinal rule of throwing a party is don't just put loads of booze out. Because people will not be able to control <laughs> themselves, it. you know. But if you have, because the thing was, there wasn't a bar upstairs where we had this. This, this do it was the same place you and I did the show from. Yes. You know? And we had the terrace outside. And I said to the people in the pub, "Look, can we? Can you put a bar upstairs?" And they were like, "Well, you can order from the table." And I'm like, "No, that's not going to work. You know, we're not going to be we're fifty or sixty people sitting yes, there no, ordering from the table." I said, "How about if you just if I just buy some bottles of wine and some beer?" Can you put, maybe put that upstairs? So they did. So I got there, right, at about quarter to six to, to find that all of the wine was literally in, in ice buckets sitting there, <laughs> like it's about sort of 25 bottles of it, um, which then went completely. <laughs> Very quickly. By, by, I think, about 9.30 or something. So I had to buy some more. You had to get some more. And then I thought, well, I can't really tell people to buy their own even though I probably should have done. But I was pissed enough to basically just buy a load more. Well, well um, I, I can confirm that when I turned up, it had all gone. Because mm. I had to go down the bar and buy had a it? bottle. Yeah. So it had all gone by it's 10 all gone by, by, I got there about quarter past 10. So oh all gone by then. Uh, but that didn't detract from people from staying until no. uh, well past midnight. Well, I think, I, I mean, I think I, I certainly left around about 11, I think. Because um, I ended up going for a kebab. With my mate Donald and his I wife. I know, my, I saw you too. And, and my two kids. Staggering who, off into the night. Who by this time had come back, right? That's right, because they, they left They'd the... taken their mother home to, to the hotel they were staying in nearby, left her there, and then I got a text from the older one, the 15 year old, was like, Can I come back? I was like, All right then. <laughs> so he came back. By then you were in the mood to say yes to anything. Well, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, he'd already had a couple of pints at this point. Well, you I and suppose I, I shouldn't admit to that. Well, you and I, <laughs> you and I had, had a, uh, a, I wouldn't say it was a long chat, but a significant chat. And uh, you, the next morning you didn't even remember. I didn't. It. But you, ever the uh, old pro, Consummate professional. you came on to my show the next day, having promised to do uh, co the cooking with right. Kev recipe. Yeah. And you delivered it in consummate style. Uh, and it was a delicious recipe. Well, I, I'll tell you what, I was... Um, uh, also, unfortunately, dragged along to lunch because, again, Donald, know, you told Donald and his wife were like, well, we've come all the way from Glasgow. What, what do you mean you're not hanging around? I said, well, because we've got to go back and get the dog. And, you know, people that haven't got dogs, they don't yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. It's like, you know, they were like, can't you just be late? And we're like, no, you can't be late for the dog sitter. Or else she'll never take the dog again. You know, she's got another <laughs> dog coming at three o'clock. So, um, you know, we had to go back and get the dog. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll stay a bit later. So I stayed with the kids. She went off on the train uh, to get the car to get the dog. So I ended up sitting through a sort of Greek meal between the hours of, after I spoke to yeah. you, from sort of 12 to about 3. That's uh, not too I bad. Those that you get back on the horse, few drinks. No, I couldn't drink because I was driving. I had oh, to then drive the kids. Oh, that isn't So good. I had to sit there and stuff oh. my face with another sort of kebab, effectively. Um, <laughs> because that was what the, the That's thing enough kebabs. You know, so there's two kebabs in the space of sort of 12 hours, right? Um, and then getting, but the only good thing about the car is it's the one place on earth which has got air conditioning. Yeah. So actually, it wasn't bad. That's know. true. But I had to buy about three of those, um, you know, those cold cans of coffee. That yeah, you buy yeah, yeah. Just to stop myself from falling asleep at the wheel. So when you, you know. got back to your place, I got on back the to coast, Sussex. Did you have a drink then? No, I went straight to bed. Oh my god. And then I woke up and she was like, 
We better have some champagne. I went, all right then. So then we're back on it at about sort of five. Okay. Um, but I didn't really drink that much on Saturday night. And then yesterday we had a barbecue and I didn't drink because I had to drive back to London. But then I got back to London and had a drink. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I had a few drinks yesterday. So um, I'm feeling relatively well, but not as well probably as the people uh, that we're about to talk about, the teaching profession, uh, who haven't done a stroke of work. They're getting of plenty of sleep. Right. Uh, they're Some of them have been on holiday. Their work is not getting in the way of their lives. No. I like that about no. them. What, it's very, their work-life balance is all life, and no, no work. work. Yeah. And also, if I hear any more of these people going, oh, I know some teachers, they've been working very hard uh, on homeschooling yeah. the kids. Absolute and utter yeah, lo- bollocks. I'll tell you what loads of them are working very hard on is They're doing tan. extra extra lessons. They're tan. Extra yes. lessons yes, I for, bet teach, you. for pupils mm. whose parents want them to get educated and they can't get to school. Mm. So the teachers are moonlighting, teaching these kids, yeah. making 95 quid an hour. Yeah. Uh, I'm not accusing all teachers of that, but significant There's numbers. There's an awful lot of them, I would say. Significant and now, numbers. of course, they're saying, oh, do you know, it might be too soon to come back in September. That's We're not satisfied. Just outrageous. I know. We're not satisfied that the government... Uh, has got the right safeguards. Absolutely nuts of cobblers, right? They just don't want to go back. Well, you saw that story in the Sunday papers yesterday that it has been collated that in the whole world, no child mm. at school has ever passed on COVID-19 yeah. to an adult. Yes. None. None yeah. whatsoever. Oh, yeah, but it's, of course it's not about that. Now they're saying, oh, but it's about the parents because the parents have to bring them to school. Yeah. It's about how they get to school. They're just finding yeah. reasons now, basically, well, then, not to go back. Do you want to know what my response to that is? What is Bollocks. Yeah, well, right. Bollocks. Yeah. Uh, the teachers' unions are dead set against Boris Johnson and his Tory government. Yeah. For them, this is a political battle. Mary... Uh, Boosted, who's in charge of the uh, NUE, the oh, National yeah. Education she Union. Oh, yeah. She was she on plank. She was on She week. makes no bones about it that she's involved in an ideological battle. Yeah. So to keep the school teachers out of school is to keep Boris in trouble. Right. Her job, I think she believes, is to topple yeah. the Tory government. It's not. It's to represent teachers as they educate children. It's right. a sacred duty. And she's and a full-time official, isn't she? So she doesn't it, actually teach anyone. No. But uh, this so the thing is about teachers' unions, a lot of people say, oh, it's disgraceful the way they're abrogating their duty to children. Mm. And it is disgraceful that teachers aren't able to teach children because, as I say, that's a sacred duty. It's an important yeah. role for the state to educate its younger people. Right. Uh, but teachers' unions do not represent children. They, don't, they represent teachers. Right. Uh, Mary Boosted, uh, at a meeting of the NUE, uh, which was Zoomed, uh, and kind of got hold of by oh, yeah. the Daily Mail, uh, b- betraying her deep love for children, mm. uh, said that one of the problems was that uh, young pupils, they're very, uh, they'll pass on the mm. disease. And this is what she said. Uh, young pupils are mucky, who spread their germs, <laughs> who touch every, everything, who cry, yeah. who wipe their snot on your trousers or your dress. Yeah. Doesn't she love children? She really, really likes them. I mean, in other she? words, they're children. That's which disgusting. is what children do. What a do. disgusting thing for an adult I know. to say. It's really awful. And the idea that, as well, they just had a 3.4% pay rise, I think, the teachers. Yeah. Because, you know, the great work they've been doing. So hard. They're not doing anything. Yeah. They've got a bigger pay rise than the cops. Yeah. I mean, there's something wrong with that, isn't there? Uh, indeed, especially when they're not doing anything. Yeah. Now, uh, Gavin Williams, the education minister, is now in big trouble. Yeah. Uh, it's being mooted that if the kids don't get back to school by September, he'll be given the heave. Yeah. Now, I'm not 
a member of the Gavin Williamson fan club, mm. don't get me wrong, but I think that's unfair on him. This is about the government. The government said, uh, the entire government, mm. this is about Boris Johnson. The government said, the kids will be back to school yeah. in June. Come right. with me. Unions, they oh, we're not going back. Yeah. All right, fair enough. How, okay, about, then. how about September? How's September sounds and now they're, now, now they're saying, in the yeah. Telegraph this morning, yeah. um, maybe they could come back for a week and then go off for a week and then come back for another week. Christ. I mean, that's not going back, is it? You can't also, you can't as a parent, you know, you cannot be a part-time, you know, parent with your kid going to school part-time. Either you can go back to work because your kids have gone back to school, or you can't. You can't say to your employer, I mean, imagine me. Okay, then, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll take next week off because the kids are home. Following week, I'll work because the kids are at school. A week after that, I'll take it off. You know, you can't yeah. work like that. That doesn't work. And all this stuff about they go from, you know, they come, one set of kids comes in the morning, the That's other in the crap. afternoon, or Monday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Friday. None of that right. works. None of that Although, works. Although, did you have it when um, um, the th when we had the three-day week? Do you remember that? In of the course 70s? I do, yeah, yeah. And I think I was in about the second or third year at secondary school. And we had we were in school in, in Holland Park, basically, and it was an old building, and it was heated by oil. And because it was like a you know power cut time, we could only go in one day a week, right? We used to. And my day was Wednesday, so I think maybe I was third year. So it was first year was Monday, second year Tuesday. They could only get one year in it a, a, a day, yeah. so we would go in for the morning session, then we'd go and play football in the afternoon yeah. for a, like, a whole term. We did that, right? So that's when your family's quite well to do because your dad was the chief gas lamp light. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, when I tell my kids, I said, you think it was, you think you've got it tough, you know, with yeah. all your, you know, they've got PlayStation 4 over there, you know, widescreen TV. Oliver said, can you think I get a new TV for my birthday? I went, no, you can't have a new fucking TV for your birthday. You've already got a 32 inch TV as it is, which you got when we bought the next, the biggest one. Yeah. You know, anyway. Yeah, I, I'll give you one of those stories. It sounds like that Monty Python stuff. It does. When I was a kid, uh, primary school, you know, you uh, used to get milk. You yeah. Know, Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, yeah. Away. She did. Margaret Thatcher, the milk snatcher. Milk snatcher, which anyway, was education. Anyway, minister. so the milkman would turn up and deliver in our, I went to a little village school mm. uh, in Kent. It literally had two rooms. Right. There were about 60 kids there all together. And the milkman would come and put the crate of yes. the little, a little half bottles yep. of milk in the corner of the classroom. Yep. At 9 a.m. We'd have the milk at 11 a.m. And often, uh, between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., in the classroom, the milk would freeze. Right. That was our warm. That's how cold our, it was. Blimey. That's how warm our classroom Well, see, ours used to curdle. They used to leave ours out in the, um, <laughs> uh, in the, in the playground, so we'd get it at break time. <laughs> curdle. And it would either curdle because it had been in the sunshine, yeah. or some birds had pecked at it. And, you know, <laughs> you were like, right, well, that. I can't have any of that. Always you know. that. But, but, you know, but we used to have literally one hour of electricity in the morning for breakfast, one hour in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the time, it's fucking candles. Yeah, I tell you, uh, those kids today, they don't know uh, they were born. It does sound but, a bit really Python. But uh, they deserve to be educated. And our teachers, not because many of them want to. I know lots and lots of teachers are absolutely furious and frustrated about what their unions mm. are making them do. But the unions are letting a generation of kids down and it is a national scandal. And yeah. Boris better get his act together he really needs and to. get these kids Well, like back. everything else, like the hospitality business, it's not just about people going out and having a good time. No. It's about all the people that work there. Similarly, if you can't get kids back to school, the parents can't go back to work, yeah. especially if they're at primary school. Exactly. It's at the heart yeah. of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, the fact that no one's going back to work is because poor 
kids uh, or the poor people who can't afford uh, to get babysitters and childminders, mm. they have to stay at home. They can't go to work right. if their kids are sitting around. No, of course not. So it's at the heart. It's a bigger thing than just getting the kids back to school. It's about getting the economy up and running, uh, which isn't showing too many signs of doing that in uh, the near future. It's in a terrible state. It really this. is. I mean, we were out in, uh, as I say, um, after the parcel on Saturday and Friday night, Saturday went out for lunch. And, you know, there's people walking around. But for London on a Saturday, when it used to be heaving, you know, I think there was only about two other tables occupied in the restaurant we were in. They've got loads of tables outside by the river. Not one person was on them. There's a pub called the, um, is it the Globe? You know, the one by, um, just by Southwark Bridge. Uh, the, the Shakespeare or something? The yeah, Globe yeah, Club. I know the one. One, yeah, of the, yeah. one of those, anyway. But it's got a big outdoor area. Not one soul was there. Really? Nobody. On a, and this was Saturday, Saturday lunchtime. Packed. Yeah. And I mean, Borough Market's getting a bit busier, but still, not really, you know. And in fact, funnily enough, my mate Donald, who came down, I ended up sending him over to uh, James Chiaverini's place because oh, yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't find a restaurant that was open on Saturday lunchtime, sorry, Sunday lunchtime, that he could go to, or they were all shut. That's terrible, that's terrible. And it really isn't good. Uh, and at the heart of that problem, of course, is the this accursed... Uh, working from home nonsense. Oh, people have got to stop working. I'm having from so home. you've probably seen. I'm having loads of arguments with people on Twitter yeah, where people are going, "Yeah, you tosser. Of course we're working from work home. It's much balance. better. It's much better. We're going to spend more time with my family. You won't have any work soon. Your bosses will farm out your jobs yeah. to India to some call centre somewhere far away. Yeah. Uh, they'll all lose their jobs. They're not coming into the city, so the cities are dying. Uh, actually, it turns out that working from home, which, which by the way, about two months ago, everyone was hailing. Oh, well, the good thing about the coronavirus is it's brought about working from home. It's the working revolution. But these are no, all these wankers, what about, though. No, but these are know, all these lefty wankers who can all do jobs on laptops, right? There's lots of people who can't do that. 10%. There's lots of people who can't do that. 10% of the workforce apparently can effectively work from home. Uh, so that's one thing. 90% will always have to I mean, work. I'm quite happy if these... It's bedwetters and yeah. tossers are not actually coming to London yeah. because they don't want to get into any fights with well, them outside yeah, but bars they do when they tell me to be quiet. 140,000 jobs were lost in June alone. Yeah. And that's because, not just because of the, it's because working from home, that, that is a whole economic ecosystem. Yeah. The, 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 the sandwich bars, the station the business, the businesses in town the to trains. serve offices. Yeah. The taxi the, business. Working at work yeah. is part of... It's central to yeah. our economy, and working from home is going to yeah, screw our economy. But all these kind of economy. futurists are all going, yeah, but this is great it's because, not. you know, it's this going is the to way forward. Us. I know. It's going to destroy well, us. Well, do you know what else is going on? And I think it's p- partly related. You may not have heard this, but apparently, I mean, I noticed yesterday I was down in Bexhill where we took the dogs, um, and loads of houses for sale, quite a few sold. People are telling me that the housing market is booming right now. People that have put housing houses on the market, mm. they're getting offers literally within two oh, days. Yeah, they are, yeah. Right? Because apparently, a lot of these people who used to work in uh, offices in London and Manchester and yeah, Glasgow... Yeah. They think they never have to go to work again. Now they're all moving out of the city. Yeah, no. So they're selling up. Yeah. So yeah. not only is the, is the office space going down, but so are the houses. Yeah, yeah. And there are lots of big businesses now saying that they will... Uh, or they're, they're kind of covertly planning to... Uh, close their London yeah. offices. And here is the worst thing. The Treasury uh, is planning to flog off its central London offices. You're joking. Uh, yeah, because 
in fact, the government. Well, is, good luck with that because the government buy is, is uh, contemplating flogging office. Well, if the government's going to work from home, yeah. then who's going to work from London? Yeah, well, as I always say to you, the, the home office, uh, thousands of home office workers who work in London have been told you don't have to come back to the office for a year. This is Boris Johnson's yeah. employees. This is how he thinks he's going to get the, the uh, economy going. And with the again. same breath, he's going, here's 10 quid to go and buy yourself some lunch. This guy, right? this guy Johnson, who we had high hopes for, he does not know his arse from his elbow. It's got, it's he is starting fucking to, this up It's starting space. to go pretty horribly wrong. It really now, is. the one thing that could save his arse, though, is if he gets to grips with this migrant problem and the crisis yeah. in the channel. I right? agree with you, if Mike. He can get to, if he can fix that, then people will forgive him everything. Yeah, but uh, the indications are he won't. Uh, you're quite right. And, you know, so th over the weekend, three days, 532 more of them came across. Yeah. Now, if that kind of number of influx carries on uh, that's we're talking about 60,000 mm. people a year and that's only the ones that get caught yeah uh, it is estimated well, don't, you're not counting the ones that come in lorries because there's still a bit of yeah. that going on yeah you know it, clinging it, to the underside of the Eurostar it is estimated that if you if you catch 532 about 5,000 might have got in yeah uh, so well, it's like the drug business this isn't is it? an influx if you, if you catch like you know 50 kilos of cocaine yeah you know that about 700 have come exactly some other right. route exactly right you know? now pretty Patel uh, as we've discussed before she announced all, all guns blazing I'll send in the Navy yeah that was just to get herself on the front of the Daily Mail and p to pretend that she's still tough. She has hired a guy called Dan, though. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. Desperate yeah. Dan. Yeah, well, desperate Dan. <laughs> the point is that, the, you see, know... I love he's, he's the... Uh, what's the what's the phrase they've used? He's the... Um, what is it? Um, what's the word? He's, 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 he's been put in charge, basically, of the... Uh, of, 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 of sending them back. Yeah. Been, yeah, not of sending them back. Yeah, but they've, but they've given him a really weird title, which oh. I'll have to look up. The czar of... Well, that's what, that's, what, that's what we'll call him. Um, but let me find it for you. But he's Dan O'Mahony. Dinghy Master General. Dan O'Mahony. Oh, here he is. Clandestine Channel Threat Commander. By the way, that's not him that's clandestine because now we know who yeah, he is. Why, right? do, why does he have to be clandestine? We don't want to be clandestine. Well, I think though. it's them that are clandestine, oh. but they're not clandestine because we can see them. Well, look. You know, did I know what clandestine means? Yeah. Well, look, uh, I told you at the weekend, uh, I had a caller on uh, one of my shows last week who lived in Folkestone, he says uh, the local pastime is to go to the top of the cliffs and to watch the French Coast Guard escorting these di these right. dinghies onto British beaks. That's it. The, Kent, the French boats come all the way to England to put the immigrants, the migrants, onto our shores. Yeah. Uh, that's got to stop. Right. Uh, well, they're now asking for money, aren't they? They go, yeah. give us another 30 million. Do you know million. what? Do you know what? I'd give them 30 million if they promised to do it. But yeah. of course, if we give them 30, that would be like they won't pissing do it. it into the ocean, yeah. literally. They won't so do it. They won't. We won't give them I that mean, it money. is a massive problem. And I have some sympathy um, with Priti Patel because apparently there are these maritime rules which say that if anyone's in the water, but it's like everything else, the rules have been overtaken by events. You know, because when the rules, when the rules were written, you were normally rescuing people who wanted to be rescued because they've come off, they've fallen off a boat or something. These guys want to be rescued because they want to come and live here. It's a very different kettle of fish. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're economic migrants. I, I don't blame them for looking for a better life, but they're illegal. And a proper sovereign Western country yeah. like Great Britain cannot just let its no. laws be broken by allowing people in. Do you know now, that bloke that slagged off Roger Scruton from the New Statesman? whose name I forget, but remember he invented a whole load of quotes that Roger Scruton oh, yes, yes, said, yes. got him fired. He put a piece out on Twitter yesterday. Harry, wasn't it? I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, basically putting 
here's some facts for basically all you right-wing, you know, zealots and bigots, you know. And it had basically half a million, um, all told, from Germany, France. It, it, to be fair, Britain was the lowest number. It was about 44,000, sorry. Um, but all told, half a million migrants seeking asylum in Europe, in Western yeah, Europe. Yeah. I said, so that's the ones we know about. I said, yeah. thanks very much for telling us. And then he said, but of course, if they're only claiming... Um, asylum and getting benefits for what they get it literally comes through about five pounds a day mm -hmm. and you go five pounds a day times half a million that's quite a lot that's two and a half million pounds a day yeah yeah the western europe is paying out to these people exactly you know i mean and i can't start understand these lefties who think oh how could you be so cruel you know they're desperate for help human we beings. must help them we, why must we help well, you know, them? You know, I had a call, I had a caller on, on last week, phoned into my show and said, I, can't, I don't like the language you're using. Oh, yeah. And I said, what language am I using? You keep calling them these people. All right. That was it. That was okay. his objection. Well, you can't call them that. Uh, what no. are supposed to call them? Said, I said, what's wrong with calling them these people? He said, they're human beings. Okay, said, well, well, these at, human beings. At last count, people are yes. human beings. Right. But this is, this is uh, where they see this as a kind of battleground where they prove their wokeism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I don't always agree with Nigel Farage. Mm. Uh, uh, but, he's but, got this one but spot he, on. He, he's made that perfectly absolutely sensible point that we should follow Australia. Yeah. The Australian Prime Minister uh, Abbott a few years ago, they had a massive problem of uh, economic migrants, mm. must call them that. Uh, by the way, they're human beings, not people. They are human coming beings. Across, not, peop not people. Yeah. Uh, coming across from Indonesia to, to Australia. Mm. Same situation, right. landing on the beaches there and claiming asylum. Because yeah. that's what these people do. They know the trick. Yeah. They come to the, here and they come to Britain and they say, we're uh, we're seeking political asylum. Yeah. Then we uh, put them in hotels, golf spas. So they can work I mean, on that's the bit out. I don't get. But, but Nigel Farage quite rightly says, if we made, like Australia did, if we made it clear to these people that not a single one of them, hmm. no ifs, no buts, will be allowed to stay in this country, hmm. that every single one of them will be returned either to France yeah. or even to home, right. uh, then this migration across the channel would stop. Well, it's like everything else in life. If you make something more difficult for people, they won't do it. Yeah. You know, if you park your car and leave the fucking windows open, somebody will rob it, right? But if you lock the windows, they'll move to another car who've left their windows open. Mm, it's yeah, literally yeah, yeah. that simple, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? So if it's easy to come here, and when you get here, you get put up in a hotel, the like of which they've never seen in their lives. Golf spa, and they get, that's my favourite. Yeah, get to, get to get, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner, around the clock, here's 40 quid in case you need a few incidentals. And uh, how do you fancy a tour of Anfield? That's I love that one. one. You know, way A. You know, that's a great idea. Let's show them around Anfield. Maybe get Jordan Henderson to come well, out I think and it's show only, them the, uh, show them the my, Champions you know, League. I mean, they can't spend all their time playing golf. It's, it's only fair that yeah. we organise a few day trips for Yeah, them as how do well. you fancy a Outing. massage? Some I mean, outings. Yeah. Well, they've got a spa there. Yeah, right. Why not? But I mean, the other thing, which is quite well, a point very well made by people, and I think it's an important one, is we've got plenty of people on the streets of this country who are homeless, right, who need help, either financial help or mental help, uh, health help, because they've gone crazy, they've got PTSD, they're ex-veterans, they're on the streets of this country and they haven't got anywhere to live. Why are we not putting them up in these hotels as well? Because if we're going to spend all this money on migrants, why are we not spending it on our own people? Yeah, you know, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I mean, but but Boris uh, and Pretty 
they should adopt what Nigel Farage mm. says. They should just say, uh, just to make it clear, you can cross in these dinghies if you like, but uh, within days... But she keeps saying you. things like, oh, of course, there's lots of complicated laws. Well, there may well be, but the whole point is you're in government, so you change the laws. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. If you don't like the law, to get rid of don't... This Bloody well, uh, don't don't stick with it. Well, we've got to get rid of this political asylum rule. Right. This is part of the package that these awful people smugglers who are in a five billion quid a year industry sell to these poor people who come across the channel. So it will give you a dinghy, 5,000 quid. And this is what you say yeah. when you get there. Uh, you say you're claiming political asylum. Yeah. Then they have to put you in a hotel yeah. and look after well, you. Well, here's they what Pritchett says, works. right? Yeah. There are legislative, legal and operational barriers to stopping small boats. We'll get rid of them, right? <laughs> System to return people not fit for purpose. And once boats reach the UK waters, we are duty bound to help. Well, why? <laughs> right? And the route, the route is incredibly dangerous, she says. And we're doing all we can to make it unviable. Well, it's obviously not that dangerous because there's yeah. 25 of them coming, even as we speak. 532 the over the weekend. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, 4,000 this year alone already. That means there'll be probably 8,000 by the time we get to the end of the year. Oh, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. And uh, by the way, we're not being racist here. We're of talking not. about uh, a sovereign country protecting its own laws and not doing it very well at the moment. <laughs> talking about racism, it's mm. quite clear from Dawn Butler's experience oh, yes. that the police are institutionally racist. Well, of course it's clear, even though she seemed to find it very amusing. Uh, to wag her finger giggling at these uh, guys, giggling away. Oh, this is interesting. You are being racially profiled. You know, the funniest thing was all the tossers from the left who were sending their sort of, you know, solidarity to her um, when she announced very brazenly on Twitter, you know, I've recorded myself being stopped by the police while driving through Hackney. I will for more details later. It took her four hours, by the way, or nearly five hours to get the details out which was by way of a, a, a doctored, edited video, mm. which apparently originally is eight minutes long. She puts out about two minutes of it, where, which apparently seems to have flipped around to make it look as if she's sitting in the driver's seat. Um, and, and, and the police officer's talking to her from that side of the car. Mm. And it's complete utter nonsense. David Lammy sent her love and, and hugs. hugs. And <laughs> uh, Ash Sarker said... I'm so sorry to hear this. Are you all right? I mean, literally all nothing right. happened. All right. She nothing loved happened. it. She loved it. You I mean, it wasn't like... She was reveling in it. It wasn't exactly Rodney King yeah. Mark II, was it? I think she claims that um, the reason it looks as if she's... It's flipped to make her look as if she's in the driving seat is because uh, the video naturally inverts. Oh, really? Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, she doesn't make a big thing of the fact she wasn't driving. No. Apparently, the guy who was driving was a mixed race person. So I mean, I guess the, well, the, the correct, accusations. I mean, but this is how true. ridiculous the story is because people were arguing about whether he was white or not. Now, that shouldn't be in any way, shape, or form the story. Yeah. It doesn't matter what colour the guy is. Look, if you're unhappy about being stopped by the cops, and it does seem as though the cops made a mistake, mm -hmm. but they're perfectly within their rights to stop you if they think there's a reason to stop yeah. you. And yeah. she's going, "Why did I want to look in the back of the car? What's all that about?" And you go, "Well, there's a guy stabbed to death in Oxford Street." You know, there was a two-year-old shot in the head in Haringey, where yeah, she, where she, why. where she's from. There's a lot of violence in London, and a lot of it is happening in very, very heavily built-up um, inner-city areas it's where there happens to be quite a lot of ethnic minority people living. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry, those are the facts. Yeah. So, if you stop a car, you're probably thinking, "I'm going to stop this car because it might be carrying contraband, drugs, knives, guns. Who knows?" And because it's part of government and police policy. Yeah. 
Theresa May, uh, characteristically uh, in a disastrous decision, abandoned Stop and Search in 2014. Under pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to be woke as usual. Yeah. You know, didn't want to be the nasty no. party. Uh, yeah. Even <laughs> though she's what really. What kind of party are you then? Yeah. Uh, and well, then she's she... the one that screwed up yeah, the yeah. police, well, isn't she? Well, really? she, well, she took away Stop and Search because she said it was racist. Because uh, she's always trying to, you know, sort of be right on mm. and say, oh, the Tories aren't the nasty party. Right. Of course, it resulted in spiralling knife crime, yeah. spiralling deaths on the streets, spiralling drug crime. And so, uh, thank the Lord, Stop and Search was brought back. Yeah. It is now official government and police policy. And I didn't like, uh, in Dawn Butler's video, the uh, uh, inherent pillaring of that poor no. young policeman no. who was just doing his job and carrying out yeah. stop and search. And it really, it wasn't stop and a, search is a good idea. Yeah. And she, as a, as, a, as a lawmaker of this country, should not be destabilising the police by making out that one, it's institutionally racist, that two, she's effectively That's saying to people, right. if you get stopped by the cops and you're not white... You shouldn't bother. Is it, is you should it, just keep going. Was that the responsible thing for really not. a former uh, shadow minister to do? Mm. Uh, it was classic rabble rousing. Yeah. And I don't want to ever hear Dawn complaining about populism because right. that was classic populism. Yes. You well, know. I mean, amongst all of the various tweets that she received, I tweeted one at her yesterday saying, <laughs> what were you doing driving around? Surely you should have been walking or cycling. Yeah. Because that's what Labour Shadiq policy. Khan and Labour policy is all about. She's going, I can drive anywhere I want in London. Well, not if you're Sadiq Khan, you can't, because yeah. he tells everyone to go in, in a, on a bike. Yeah, you you're can't drive anywhere drive. you want, Dawn, because no. it's full of cycle parts. Try driving <laughs> down Jamaica Road and see how, how far you get. You know, at the moment, it's got about five temporary traffic lights. Oh, You've got to go into one single lane to get around the bloody fences all over yeah. the place. No, but, I mean, the whole of the Labour Party is screwed, and that's why. And you see Keir Starmer, whose now speciality seems to be standing in very bizarre sort of situations. I don't know if you've seen his... his um, his Twitter feed lately, but he go, he's been going to all these places, right? And he stands, <laughs> you know, like socially distanced from loads of people. But it looks like he's in some kind of shit album cover, basically, you know? <laughs> he's sort of got five other people around Keir him. Keir Starmer's greatest but all, Yeah, but It's not a long album. No, it's, not a, it's not a double, <laughs> you know? Doesn't but, even make it to a single. <laughs> but it's unbelievable. <laughs> he looks like a complete moron. But he never, has, he, never, he never has anything to say about anything that's actually in the news. You know, he put one out today going... Lovely morning with the, my friends at Camden, you know, knitting circle or something, whatever it was. Right? And that was, and, and this picture of him with, with sort of five people standing around him. And he's kind of standing there, you know, with his legs apart, akimbo, looking sort of magisterial. But it's ridiculous. The problem they're going to have, it's quite clear what he's doing while Rome... I mean, he kicks her off he's the front fiddling, bench, He's fiddling fair. silently while Rome burns. Yeah. So he's letting Boris and the gang fuck things up in spades. Uh, and he doesn't have to do anything. He mm. just stands by silently, yeah. letting this trouble overwhelm the government. I, I mean, it's not all the government's fault. Obviously, mm. they're in a terrible situation. Who would envy them? Uh, but what he's going... He, he, this they is, don't appear to... But, at the moment, the problem I've got with the government is they don't appear to be making it better. No, they don't. They do don't. They? But Keir Starmer, uh, he thinks silently and rather monosyllabically standing in the, mm. si in the wings, uh, sort of not saying much, uh, while... Uh, the government burns, uh, that'll do him well. Well, as time goes on, just as his uh, appearances at Prime Minister's question times mm. were rather loyally and boring, he's going to find out that to a to be effective in opposition, you've got to be a fucksite more flamboyant mm. well, than he is. Well, interesting enough... You've got saw, to be flamboyant. I don't know if you saw Robert Colville's piece on uh, Sunday in the Sunday Times where he basically said that he's gone... 
into this now kind of new beige area where he's basically just beige, which yeah. nobody wants anyone to be if yeah. you're in politics, right? So he's basically gone from being this forensically brilliant lawyer to being Mr. Beige yeah. in about three months. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, a proper, a really good opposition leader now would be having a field day, mm. a field day. But this rather imagina unimaginative, dour lawyer bloke, mm. the best he can conceive of is, I know what I'll do, I'll just say nothing. Yeah. Which is very much um, what he tried to do over Brexit. And then when they did finally get him to say something, he confessed. Said the wrong thing. Well, he confessed <laughs> to having a belief that went in two directions. You know, oh, yeah, well, we're all for uh, the EU if you voted to, to remain uh, and if you're in a remain seat. But if you're in a leave seat, uh, we want to leave. People are going, nope. We're not buying that. Yeah. So the Tories got an 80 seat majority. That yeah, was his yeah. policy. Yeah, his policy. His one contribution. I have very strong opinions, and if you don't like them, I have other opinions. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Thanks, right. Kia. It really is appalling, isn't it? Here's the thing. I'm not sure I make this to be a true story, but wouldn't it be remarkable if Andrew Neil got to be chairman of the BBC? Yeah, look. I, I can't it, see it. It would be fantastic, but he's got about as much chance of that as I have. Yeah, right. Uh, he is not going to get it because the BBC is not going to let some uh, uh, right-wing clever bloke yeah. get the job. Who they've just they fired, want, they, want, they want some liberal dumbo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they'll probably take... They'll, yeah, they'll end up with. They'll probably take, what's her name, Morgan, won't they? Nicky Morgan. No, because she's, she's right-wing as well. Yeah, but she's not very right-wing, and she's no. a bit wishy-washy. Yeah. She voted against gay marriage. Yeah, why did she do that? Uh, she Christian or something? Yeah, I think so. I mean, some of these Tories have got some very odd views. Well, she had, when when they got her back in the cabinet, she uh, uh, was required to abandon her opinion about gay people, oh, yes. and neatly and conveniently did. Right, and then she and then she sort of overcompensated and became terribly woke about all, almost everything. <laughs> well, that's the trouble now, isn't it? I mean, I'm currently in, in involved in some kind of spat with some bozo who used to write for the Guardian. You know, because they have this ridiculous belief that if you're right wing, you must be the devil in some way. You're heartless. You've got no feelings of compassion. You don't for understand anybody. human beings. You don't understand human beings. You know, you're a vile individual. I think he said uh, he described me as you're what's wrong with yeah, our country. Yeah, yeah but what, what is he doing there, Mike? He's not actually principally condemning you. Hmm. Principally, he's praising himself. Oh, yes. You're horrible. Am I much I'm nicer? really nice. I'm much nicer. It won't surprise you to know that he specialises in writing about Turkey. Yeah. I mean, great. Turkey, I would suggest, Macy, uh, is one of the most oppressive and ghastly and uh, undemocratic regimes in the Western yeah. world. I wonder if he writes that for the Guardian. You know that guy I told you about that phoned me up on the radio the other night oh, yeah. and said, uh, you can't keep calling them these people mm. the human beings. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of the phone, I said, so, Steve, what do you do for a living? Um, I was very calm in my yes. response. He said, I'm a social worker. <laughs> I, I just let it ride. And it, in my mind, I was about to say, big fucking surprise. Yeah, that really is a surprise, <laughs> social worker. Well, listen, I'm very proud that you've got that sort of listener. You've obviously, you've obviously brought a very broad church along with you. Yeah, from, but I think, uh, I think the church know. is getting slimmer. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I don't think it is. I mean, the great thing about talk radio now, and without wishing to big ourselves up, uh, but I'm going to do it anyway because nobody else does, we are... The reason why loads of people have left and deserted the BBC, LBC, yeah. and lots of other places yeah. which you would regard as mainstream media, because we actually are not frightened of saying stuff. Yeah. I mean, and uh, by the way, by the way, I'm very happy to have social worker Steve on my show or anyone like of that. Of course, I don't want everyone. To I don't agree want people with to agree with me. But apparently, uh, one of the people on LBC, I'm not going to mention his name, said over the weekend that every media company is behind the uh, migrants who are coming here. Well, uh, I'm sorry, we're not. Yeah. 
He said they're not coming here for benefits, for schools, for work. Well, what are they coming here for then? Well, they wouldn't be. He wouldn't be. I know them. what it is to work on their golf handicaps because they know they're going to be putting golf spars. Yes, when of we course. take them there by luxury. Or maybe they're coming in to work. Over. Maybe they're coming I, in to work I, at LBC. I tell you what, I would if I was one of these uh, migrants, one of these people. Yeah. I would actually ask if I could be put in a golf spa fairly near to Dover because sometimes a long coach journey can be yeah. a bit arduous. It can it? be tough. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Also, yeah. you know, would you mind showing us around a, a football ground slightly closer to where we landed? Yeah. Rather than Liverpool, <laughs> you know, because. Southampton's quite yeah, good now. It's yeah. quite modern, I mean, but and also the Amex Stadium in Brighton's quite nice. Yeah, but surely uh, you know Wembley—that's the home of football. That'd be a nice day trip. For that them. would, yeah, and also not really being used very much. But I heard I had a caller to your show this morning uh, saying that we shouldn't put them in hotels. We should get ships. I like the cruise ship idea. I don't. I don't. I think we should send them home. <laughs> that's what I think we should do. Well, apparently we don't know where they've no, come no, from. No, no, no. If we if we if we were able to. St- to stop them huh. saying, I hereby claim political asylum. Yeah. We go, oh, okay, is 200 quid right. a hotel and a game of golf. Uh, uh, and instigate a policy where we put them on aeroplanes and fly them back to where Well, apparently that's going to happen. Well, that would cost a lot at first, but as soon as the message got out, they'd stop coming. Well, exactly. Wouldn't it? That I would mean, Nigel Farage was quite right when he said, uh, after he found out they'd all gone to Anfield, he said, these guys have all got mobile phones. They're sending pictures of themselves back to their mates, yeah. wherever it is they've come from, to say, yeah, things yeah. are going pretty well here. Yeah. You know, I've got a hotel room to myself. I might sometimes occasionally have to share it. Got three um, three square meals a day. Uh, they've just taken us to the Champions League. The quality Champions of the League. greens are very good yeah. on the golf and course. The, the Champions of the Premier League. We've just yeah. had, to go, had to go around Anfield. Yeah, bunkers are a bit difficult, but I'm working on the short game, I know. so, you know... <laughs> And there's, loads of, and there's loads of companies. I mean, people have started getting wise to it now. They're sending out pictures of, like, the coach companies because they'll be making a fortune yeah. out of all this, driving people backwards and forwards. Yeah. Um, it's just incredible. And the problem here, Mike, for Boris Johnson and Priti Patel is, uh, quite apart from the sheer statistics of it, this is a very pictorial problem. Yes. It looks good on telly. Yeah. It looks good in the newspapers. Uh, you know, these dinghies coming across yeah. the channel. Uh, landing on beaches. Uh, if it works well on film, yeah. it doesn't work, work well for the government. So yeah. he's and Boris also now the TV companies have picked up on it. As you're quite right to say, um, you can imagine the newsrooms going. Now just stay down there tomorrow. Yeah. Do but, it some more tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. That, well, you they know? are. You know. Yeah. You can see the same reporter on Dover yeah, yeah. day after day after yeah. day. Uh, but to go back to that thing, what you know. What did I just say then? Send them home, which is mm. seen as the most uh, ultimately racist yeah. thing to say. Right. It's not racist. No, it's, it's not, not racist. These people have no right to be here. They've come into our country illegally. Uh, and uh, I don't see what's wrong with saying, look, you know, you can't do this. No. Uh, this also, is against our law. The guy rang me because today. Because we're a nice civilised Western country, here's what we're going to do. Mm. We're going to put you onto a jet aircraft and we're going to fly you back to your home country. Yeah. And this guy rang me up today to say, you know, why don't we set up some, you know, bureaus and offices and things around the world so that they can go there and apply properly? I'm like, well, that's what we already have. Yeah. But they just don't do that because it's long-winded, it's arduous, and they might be refused. Whereas if they just pitch up, they know that they can get, uh, you know, to get to stay here. For years on end, there's a kid up in Scotland who apparently was refused uh, asylum 12 years ago, (laughs) but he's still appealing it. And he was 12 well, when 12 he got here. 12 years in Scotland, he still wants to stay there. Well, apparently so. Well, I know, well, he's from Afghanistan. So, <laughs> I mean. And he's, he's, so he's now 24, right? And he's about to submit his second application, for which he'll probably be turned down. 
and for which he won't yeah, go anywhere. Once we accept they're seeking political asylum or seeking asylum, then you know they they're guaranteed right. to be able to. But stay the rules here. were set up for very few situations yeah, where there was maybe uh, a war in Biafra or you know there was a big problem in Sri Lanka or something. But what it wasn't set up for was a constant stream of people who didn't fancy living where they lived. Well, Pretty Patel has set out her stall as someone who will not be uh, defied by rules and laws. She will sort things out. So don't let her tell us, oh, it's very complicated. You're not supposed to be that sort of politician, mm. Pretty. You're supposed to be a no-nonsense, straightforward cut who will cut through this crap mm. and sort this problem out. Let's move on to uh, what I think is the most important issue of the Go day. Uh, if we've got another couple of minutes. Uh, who is the best James Bond? <laughs> well, do you know, we were talking about that earlier, and I think... I think it has to be Sean Connery, doesn't it? Although yes, I, say, I heard that you said that you hated uh, Roger Moore. I disagree. Yeah, I really didn't I like I liked it. Roger Moore. I mean, I quite like the films, don't get me wrong, but it's not James Bond, really, because yeah. he's kind of, it's turned it into this kind of comedy show, which is a bit kind of nudge, nudge, uh, wink, uh, wink. What I did know. like about this survey, well, Daniel Craig didn't even come in the top I was three. quite surprised about well, that. Well, everybody said, oh, he's brilliant. I've never People liked, don't like Daniel I don't Craig. like him. I don't like him as an individual. I don't individual. think he looks right. I don't think he sounds right. No. He looks like, a, you know, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but he's, he looks like a sort of northerner. Uh, and, and, and <laughs> well, I think he is from Chester. Nothing wrong with looking like a northerner. I think he's I, from Chester. Yeah, well, he is a northerner. Yeah. Um, and he looks like one. There's nothing wrong with that, but I just don't think it's right for Bond. He's also quite short, yeah. which I think is also not right for Bond. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, when I, 007 I think, walks in, you don't want people saying hello, short. Yeah, no, you, it doesn't exactly. Work, does but um, also, you know, when you get uh, Piers Brosnan, who I think encapsulated. Great guy, by the way. I think I think he encapsulated the best of of, of Roger Moore and Connery yeah, and made them yeah, into one. Yeah. You know, he was funny. He could raise his eyebrow a little bit. Yeah. You know, he was still getting the girls, and and he was quite a, an effective kind of uh, you know physical presence. Yeah. So Bro Piers Brosnan's a great guy. Have you got I, a story? I, yeah, I interviewed him once uh, over in LA. Yeah. And he just made a film. I think it was a Thomas Crown affair. Which oh yeah. About a that's a great. That's a great remake. But it's about a woman. It's a great one. Thing. Yeah. And uh, there was a sort of bit of a hoo ha about it was sexist and all that. So my yeah, first yeah. question was, Piers, there's been a bit of uh, a row about the uh, alleged sexism in right. the Thomas Crown affair. You play a womanizer and this. Right. And what do you say to the people who protest about this? He says. I say to them, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one last Bond Brilliant. story. Uh, Timothy Dalton was making his... Who I actually thought was the worst. Uh, he looked good. Yeah. He looked good. I don't know. I think I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you why. He looked wooden to me. I'll tell you exactly why he was bad. Uh, it's because being Bond mm. is more than just acting the part. Yeah. You've got to be a persona. You've got to be at home with yes. the publicity. Roger Moore once told me, uh, I think after Octop Octopussy... Uh, I said, God, some of those stunts, you, you get involved in them yourselves. He just, I do all my own stunts <laughs> and all my own lying. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Dalton, see, was, so Roger Moore, yeah. which is why I do think he was quite good, was at home in the limelight. Yeah. Uh, Timothy Dalton hated being in the limelight. And he, I went on uh, over to Morocco mm. to make his And you've got to play film. the game, haven't you? His first film was called... Was that uh, the one that was Live done in Gibraltar? Day or Die Another Day, I think it no, was. It wasn't, that was. No, that was uh, one of... Um, what was it called? Uh, the, the Living Daylights was one. Yeah, it might have been that one. The one... Uh, was that the one view, to, view to a Kill. View to a Kill. No, that wasn't it, him, was it? Wasn't it? No, I think that was... Anyway, uh, it was Roger his Ball. first film. Yeah. And he went to his first Bond film, and they were filming in Tangier. And so me and a few other reporters were out there. 
and he just didn't want to meet us because he hated the idea of having to talk to the press. That's no good for a James. No, that's in, no good. In, uh, and uh, me and a, a guy, I think, from the Mirror, we bumped into him once in the hotel. And he said, oh, hello. License to kill, there License to kill. Uh, so uh, I said, Timothy, you've got to talk to us. You're the James Bond. He said, oh, I'm just not comfortable about it. So in the end, he agreed to come out. He said, OK, let's all go out for dinner. Right. So him and a few of his entourage, we went to a fantastic Moroccan flash right. restaurant. And there's the friend. And uh, he, was, uh, he was thinking about, he said to, us, to me, he said, I've been thinking about what you said. You're right. I've got to give you a few personal revelations. I said, OK, then, Timothy, fire away. What do you want to tell us? He goes, I like fishing. <laughs> that was it. Dear God, that, that sounds about right for him. Yeah. He, he strikes me as a bit of a fisherman. No offence to anybody who's out there being a fisherman. But listen, we're out of time. Yep. Uh, in addition to which, the lights have just gone out. I don't know what yep. that means. It's gone dark in this room. Maybe there's some kind of emergency going on. It's like the theatres. It's gone into darkness. Yes, I remember it well when I used to do that sort of thing. Anyway, we'll be back next week. We are the Thought Police. See you then. This guy, right. this guy Johnson, who we had high hopes for, he does not know his ass from his elbow. This guy, he is starting fucking to, this up. He's in starting space. to go pretty horribly wrong. It really now, is. The one thing that could save his ass, though, is if he gets to grips with this migrant problem and the crisis yeah. in the channel. I right? agree with you, if Mike. He can get to, if he can fix that, then people will forgive him everything. Yeah, but uh, the indications are he won't. Uh, you're quite right. And, you know, so over the weekend, three days, 532 more of them came across. Yeah. Now, if that kind of number of influx carries on, uh, that's, we're talking about 60,000 mm. people a year, and that's only the ones that get caught. Yeah. Uh, it is estimated... Well, don't, you're not counting the ones that come in lorries, because there's still a bit of yeah. that going on. Yeah. You know, it, clinging it, to the underside of the Eurostar. It is estimated that if you, if you catch 532, about 5,000 might have got in. Yeah. Uh, so well, it's like the drug business, This isn't is it? an influx. If you, if you catch, like, you know, 50 kilos of cocaine, yeah. you know that about 700 have come exactly. some other route. Exactly right. You know? What I did you know. like about this survey, well, Daniel Craig didn't even come in the top I was three. quite surprised about well, that. Everybody says, oh, he's brilliant. I've never People don't liked, like Daniel I don't Craig. like him. I don't like him as an individual. I don't individual. think he looks right. I don't think he sounds right. No. He looks like a, you know, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but he's, he looks like a sort of northerner. Uh, and, and, and <laughs> well, I think he is from Chester. Nothing wrong with looking like a northerner. I think he's I, from Chester. Yeah, well, he is a northerner. Yeah. Um, and he looks like one. There's nothing wrong with that, but I just don't think it's right for Bond. He's also quite short. Yeah. Which I think is also not right for Bond. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I, when 007 I think, walks in, you don't want people saying hello, Sean. Yeah, no, exactly. Work, so he's basically gone from being this forensically brilliant lawyer to being Mr. Beige yeah. in about three months. Yeah, yeah.